Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi there and welcome back to the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. You may notice that the voice of the narrator and the interviewer is slightly different or you might even recognize me from or my voice from a podcast from several weeks ago. So my name's Lucy Turner and I've actually hijacked Danny Carr's podcast because one thing that came to mind for me during the interviewing process or interviewee process for me on that podcast, whilst I was crying, talking about how much of a trash bag that I was, talking about how much of a bad mother I was, I was thinking, what about Danny? What's her story? And so in this episode of How I Quit Alcohol, episode number 12, I am going to be interviewing the founder of this podcast, Danny Carr. Welcome to your own podcast. <laughs> Hello and thank you. What an amazing <laughs> intro. I've got some work to do. Well, you know, this is the heart of it. It's your journey. It's the journey that you've been on with your partner, Ash, and also the journey that you've been on with your family because that's what it's all been about for you guys is how you can become better and better people, not just for you, but for mm. your two daughters as well. Mm. So the first question I want to start with is I want to know what was the very first drink of alcohol that you ever had? That was with my friend Lyndall and her sister bought us a bottle of Malibu rum. Ew. Ew. And we drank it on the oval in um, Castlemaine, the sunken oval. I think someone might have fingered me that night. <laughs> Malibu rum and a fingering, they generally go hand in hand. I mean, if I was going to market Malibu rum... That would be my marketing campaign. I think I was 13. 13 years old. It's amazing the age of drinking culture where it begins in this country. So I really want to know the psychology behind that first drink. I mean, obviously you were 13. There was probably not a lot of psychology, but even that you thought this is a good idea. What did it happen really spontaneously or had you already been thinking about the consumption of alcohol before that night? I think I'd been looking curiously at my parents' 
like liquor cabinet um, and I guess it was just this curiosity and like what you said, I think it was you, it was just like you kind of want to be older, everyone was talking about it, all the older kids as well were doing it and just wanting to fit in. I remember it tasted really disgusting, really disgusting. I think after that we started drinking um, masala. Oh, my God. So disgusting. I don't even know if you know what that is. I don't know. And I'm just imagining or just wondering what color is that? It's sort of like this really um, thick, uh, dark, like red, purpley color. I don't even actually know what it is. It was so disgusting. I remember Lyndall drank that the next weekend, a whole bottle of that, and she vomited. (laughs) So whereabouts are you and your family in terms of your brothers and sisters? I'm the youngest. Okay. And they're all big drinkers. Righto. So for you, it was like kind of this climbing of the ladder thing. Now Mm. it's my turn. And do you remember how you felt the next day after that night? Probably more horrified about what happened with said boy. (laughs) on the oval was more of my concern I think Mm. Um, and I think I felt really cool though I think I felt really cool and having a um, a hangover was a bit of a badge of honor as well and it just kind of spiraled from there. Could you already make a bit of a link do you think I mean certainly I'm sure you could in in retrospect but that with the booze something happened with a boy that you didn't feel good about the next day Mm, yes. And then I think actually that was a, a pattern too, especially growing up in the country. Like we'd all, as young girls, you know, would get really wasted and, you know, stuff would happen with boys and really unfortunate because then you get this stigma about you as well and um, and a feeling about yourself, which isn't great. And yeah, oh, terrible. But isn't it interesting though that as the girl you get the stigma but the boys don't get the stigma. Oh, of course, that old that's that old chestnut. That yeah, yes. yeah. So I, I'd love to hear your description on when you look back at yourself as Danny the drinker, which mm. you're of course not now. Mm. Sober Danny, mm. how would you describe yourself as a drinker as you got older? So as I got older, it just got kind of worse and worse. And so I've always been. I didn't mind so much in my twenties. You know, in my twenties, I was singing in a band and. You know, I, I must say I didn't love it when I would drink. And often actually in my 20s, I was a really angry drunk. Um, and I found out later, I remember saying to mum because I can't remember what was happening. But I was, every time I drank, I was always drinking beer. And I'd get like really aggro, become a real bitch. And um, mum said to me one day, don't drink beer. I can't drink beer. Beer makes me crazy. I'm like, what? And... Like that link was really great one. I think I was probably about 30 by that stage. And luckily I still had friends, you know, I was like real, (laughs) like just an asshole. That was testament to how good the rest of your personality is. And how great my friends are. (laughs) It's fucking hell. Like, oh, I never liked waking up, you know, even then like doing, you know, being a bitch or whatever it was. Always didn't sit well with me the next day. But, you know, as I got older and then had kids, I think we had Sunny. Ash and I met 20 years ago now. Uh, you know, I'd always have these breaks. I'd always have long breaks, but then just smash, like just get really, really smashed. And then we had sunny, so things things slowed down a bit, but then it just creeps, creeps in again, creeps in again. It just kind of escalated. And even after Aria probably and hitting, I think had Aria about 36. Uh, no, 37 I was. Um, and after breastfeeding and everything, you kind of think, oh, I'm not going to go 
back to how I was but then it just creeps in and creeps in and getting to your 40s 39 40 things had changed for me as a person I'd come like I wasn't playing much music anymore I wasn't even recognizing myself so much anymore and maybe a bit of depression was had crept in and to be honest Ash and I weren't in a great spot either because of his drinking problems and mine and it was just fucked like everything was unraveling what what did that actually look like within your relationship what what specific impacts do you think that the alcohol had between the two of you well fighting at times I won't go into the specifics I didn't want it anymore and I just felt like I couldn't I tried everything like come on let's we tried a lot of times to stop but something would happen or a tour would happen or yeah, you know, things just happen. Well, it, it, it becomes out. it becomes entwined with your not just the broader culture, but your own culture too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just going back to where, how I where I was, I just remember always waking up after having a big binge, which would happen, you know, once a week or maybe once every couple of weeks. Really hating myself, like things I've talked about it in previous podcasts, like not remember putting the kids to bed, or waking up going you know, fuck, where are my kids or do they eat dinner last night or, you know, and, oh, the shame. Like the I've pride myself on being a mum and to not remember if I fed them, how the fuck they got to bed, what did they see, you know. Oh, just that was getting enough for me to so And actually the last time I had a really big binge, this is pretty – interesting I was in we were living in Bali at the time and I was taking my friend Corley I was going to pick up her kids and take them back to our place for the night so her and her husband Lex could go out for a nice dinner together so we we said we'd meet up at a place and have a couple of drinks and then I'd take all the kids back and I never even I hadn't been drinking much at the, that stage too so Corley had never even seen me drunk we were at this restaurant to meet up and the waiter comes up and and take our drinks order I ordered a vodka lime and soda and he said do you want a double and I said sure <laughs> I'll have a double so we had our round of drinks and then the, the waiter brings another with doubles again doubles 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 and so I think I don't remember much other than being in a cab with Lex and Corley who were meant to be going out remember I'm meant to be taking their kids home to put them to bed um, I remember getting out of the cab and vomiting all over the place in front of the kids, like all over my shoes and just – at that stage it wasn't really registering. But I remember uh, waking up a couple of hours later and Lex and Corley were sitting out listening to some music by the pool and they were having a lovely time. But, oh, my God, I just was so embarrassed because they've obviously had to come home with me and make sure the kids were all okay and they didn't get to go on their night out together and just – I can't even describe how sick I felt at myself and I was so embarrassed. I didn't even want to open the door to go out and apologize. <laughs> I ended up texting them going from bed, just going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Sunny coming in and just going, are you okay, mum? You know, Corley said you must have eaten something bad and, oh. you know, all that stuff. And I just thought this is it. Like I'm, yeah. I can't do this anymore. This is not who I want to be. We have this, uh, we have such a negative relationship with shame, but it also is such an incredible tool to progress us though, isn't it? Mm. Like it's those moments where we suffer so badly because of our own choices, mm. where we actually get a good kick in the ass for change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So was that the last time? 
It wasn't the last time I drank, but it was the last time I binge drank. I think that was probably around October. And I remember feeling around about that time I'd maybe done with my marriage too. I'd had enough. Not long after that, my my friend Lisa called me and said she's going to take 12 months off drinking. And I was like, yep, I'm in. And I thought to myself, I owe it to my relationship and my children, my whole family, if I'm going to make a massive decision like breaking up, um, I I it to myself to be sober mm. for a year. And I wanted Ash to do that as well because I wanted to see where I stood at the end of that year. And I thought, oh, before I make that decision... That's such powerful advice because we, if, if we can see that that's having a really solid impact or even mm. if we can't see that, but at least we're mm. willing to give it a try to see mm. what everything looks like without it. And I think that's such a good advice is that when you're in the thick of it, mm. just stop for as long as you can and then see what everything looks like around you because it's almost guaranteed that everything's going to look different Mm, particularly if your partner is also going to be giving up and I guess this is a really unique situation for you it's not completely uncommon Mm. but so often one person in a relationship is giving up Mm. but the other person is not yet ready or not yet willing Mm. how important has it been for you two to do this together oh massive so at that stage Ash was still deciding if he was going to take the year off um I don't know if he knew where I was so much in the well yeah he did and it's not like I wanted to break up with him because we didn't get along or anything like that we've always got along great but it was I did not want to um I just didn't want that for me anymore I didn't want the kids seeing that anymore and they'd seen a lot of stuff as they were getting older that wasn't cool and I just thought yeah I I I definitely don't and I knew that if he didn't come along on the journey with me I probably yeah I, I don't think we'd be together now and Oh my God, I'm so grateful because the journey we went on and how we grew together and having that common goal together was amazing. But all the whole spiritual journey and everything that went along with it just absolutely transformed us and it just made us so much stronger. Did you have an action plan going into this or did you just make it up as as you went along? We made it. We knew that we were going to do 12 months and Scott and Claire and our friends Lisa and Matt, we were all in this group together and it was just like, we're just not drinking. And also, I don't like to let myself or other people down. So I knew that in having a pact with these guys, at times when I got wobbly, particularly, you know, the three months, the six months, you know, I, I, I there was no way I was going to let them down. A few, I remember once I was in Margaret River cooking. I was at Corley's house and I was cooking some food and I went to buy some red wine and I saw this beautiful Shiraz sitting there and I just something I just wanted it I could taste it and I bought the bottle and I took it home and I thought don't fucking dare drink that Danny unless you get onto that fucking WhatsApp group and you know show some account and tell them what you know what you're planning so on I got I'm like guys I don't think I can do this anymore you know whatever and Scott and Claire just straight away they were just like bullshit <laughs> <laughs> you are not drinking that <laughs> and, and I didn't, I didn't. And um, I'm so glad that I didn't, yeah, I was, yeah, it was good to get through that. That was, that was a big one for me. How alcohol affected my self-esteem from even back from in those teenage years. And, you know, I had a fairly traumatic time in the, in Castlemaine where I grew up. It wasn't a great place for me. And there was a lot of trauma and stigma and a lot of stuff attached there and, this idea that you have of yourself, you know, I said this in a previous podcast, you know, I was 
you know, you picture yourself to be a certain way. And it's really important to imagine yourself when you start the journey of how you want to look at the end of it. That's what I did. I don't know if you did, but like, yeah, it was just go in guns blazing, but knowing this person who I wanted to be at the end, I had a very clear vision of, of Danny at the end of this. And it was hopefully Danny and Ash together as an amazing couple. Mm. And, um, and I, yeah, it's just, oh God, I'm just can't even say how grateful I am how glad I am to have that monkey off my back and my self-esteem intact and it's stronger than it's ever been so during these times that you were still drinking it really sounds like you had these big times between and Mm. you're a proper proper binge drinker Mm. big times in between Mm. the shame was quite strong the regret was quite strong and strong enough to hold you for weeks on end Mm. and then it was like the feast or famine mentality Mm. where it's like I've done a couple of weeks now I can go five times as hard because I've had a break even if that conscious psychology wasn't there what do you think uh, kept leading you back Mm. to the binging well I don't Think, I think like even that night where I was saying about Corley and Lex coming over in Bali, that last big binge, it wasn't like I had that in mind. Like I have had full intentions to take those kids home and, and put them to bed and, you know, watch a movie with the kids or whatever. Uh, for me, it was always it would sneak up on me. It would be like, I'm just going to have a couple of drinks. And the next thing, like, I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, oh, you kind of get a bit loose or excited or, you know, whatever. But it was never that intention. I never actually – I would always go into every drinking session with like, right, I'm going to hold it together. I'm going to pace myself. <laughs> oh, that old chestnut. <laughs> Before you know it, I've got Elton John blaring and the Elton John glasses on and I'm up on the bench and, you know. I still do that, by the way. Just like- <laughs> well, that's another really important point is like the things that were really fun – that were really fun in that time, mm. not to let go of those things. And mm. I think holding those as goals is really important too. What did I love about that? Can I still achieve those things sober? Yeah. Because that's a bit of a goal because no longer are we needing to liquefy our um, inhibitions Absolutely. in order to push through. Yeah. So what I really want to know though is that through all of the years of drinking and these moments where you really felt like you let other people down – was there anyone in your life who was calling you on it? Hmm. Yes, yeah, sometimes. Like I was a big drink dialer. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have gotten a few of those phone calls, Probably, actually. Probably, yeah, and especially in Bali, like if I was away, because that, that came in when Ash would be away on tour and I just, you know, if I was drinking on my own and I was bored and I'm like, they want to talk to me. I know that they want to talk to me. <laughs> I've got a lot to say. I'm feeling the love. <laughs> And, oh, God, that was the other thing, the going through your phone the next morning. No, but a couple of times, uh, Lisa, my my friend who we um, started on this journey with, yeah, she'd call me all, like call me on it a lot. And how did like, you take that when she did? You were idiot last night, weren't you? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I know, sorry, or, you know, whatever. She's always been one to call me on my bullshit and we're still great friends. <laughs> She does it lovingly, you know, or if I'd called one of my, my brother stopped answering my calls, <laughs> I'd ring him pissed or he'd just be like, oh, that's her. She's pissed again. How embarrassing, you know. When Lisa did call you on it though, what, could you yeah. take that on board or because yeah. it's the nature of your relationship, you kind of went, ah, it's just Lisa. It's fine. No, I would be embarrassed and not apologize and then really make a strong net mental note not to call her on my next pinch. <laughs> <laughs> Move down the list. You moved from the L's to the M's. 
Or you go, you know, the ones where you ring and you go, right, I'm going to sound really sober. Like, and really try and sound, you know, articulate and <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> and you think you're nailing mm, it? Yes. Mm, I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably like, yeah, I know. Would yeah. you have liked, like looking back, would you have liked more of your friends to have spoken to you perhaps more directly about where you were at? Or do you think that most of your friends also weren't able because it was normal for them too? Well, they're all doing it too. So um, to different degrees. So no, you know, and other friends around here too, they're, it's more like, oh, geez, you were pissed last night or that kind of thing. But no one was ever, no one, I think Jane, our friend Jane did a couple of times, you know, you act like a dickhead last night, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, but... So occasionally. Going back to, I found it really interesting what you were saying before about your mum and that when you were sort of talking about being an angry drunk in your Mm. 20s, Mm. her advice was to switch from beer to something else. (laughs) So there wasn't dialogue about, you know what, you're a shit drinker. (laughs) No, no, she just said that it made her angry and I was like, oh, and then I put, I sort of put two and two together. So it was just, that was off the, um, wasn't on the menu anymore for me, unless we were in Belgium or something like that. But I'd be very careful. <laughs> Unless you're at Oktoberfest, in which case, fine. Yeah, but the thing is, at least it made me a, more of a binge drinker because then I was just like, fun times, Danny, and, and loving Danny, or whatever that was. At least when you're being a bitch, people just tell you to F off and <laughs> you feel bad and you stumble off to bed. But What about in your broader family in terms of mum's dad, mum and dad, brothers and sisters? What's the, what's the family narrative like now around drinking? Hmm. Well, my dad quit drinking a while. He was never a big drinker. Dad's, I've never really seen my dad drunk. And mum quit years ago as well. Um, but my siblings all drink quite a lot um, to different degrees. And it's it's been a big, it's a big part of our family. It's how we showed love to each other too. It's mm. how, um, you know, one of my sisters, she barely speaks to you until she's had a few drinks and then she's tells you she loves you and all that so it's a great time to go and get drunk with her because you're going to get some attention or (laughs) she'll be nice (laughs) um to be honest because we're up here too I don't see everyone as much because we live in New South Wales too so when you have interacted during the time that you've been sober what's that like now with you as the one sober one well I do feel a bit of pressure actually they're probably more my family than anyone that I feel a bit of pressure but they're actually really accepting of it They'll hang a bit of shit like, oh, you party pooper or they're kind of used to it now. At first there was a bit of, come on, what are you doing? But I just, yeah, my thing was always, and I'd say to family and friends and everyone, you know, I just, I get the can't stops, you know, I can't stop. And no one wants really to be around the person that can't stop. Except when you're super fun and that's probably one of the unfortunate things about you is that even though that there's, there's those times where you really felt that you messed it up, but there would have been so many times also where you were so incredibly fun and that side of you no doubt was supported and propped up by all of your friends who loved Good Time Danny. Yeah, but they yeah, – mm, I don't know because I think you're fun to a point and then everyone is drunk. <laughs> They're actually – everyone is a pain in the ass. I don't care who you are. Like when you got to that point where you can't remember anymore, you're not fun anymore. There's no way. 
generally though when you're in that when you're in a circle that's like that everyone's getting to that point at a similar moment in the evening so no one's noticing that anybody else is even there it's like it's it's like when two cars are traveling along the highway at 100 kilometers an hour you Uh don't notice that you're both traveling at 100 k's you Mm. know it's momentum is the same i tend to think that when you're around whoever's the drunkest you kind of think you kind of talk about jeez that was drunk Yeah, actually, I would, that was yourself. probably me. That was probably, <laughs> but I think that everybody else was in the same place as me, but that wasn't the reality. So maybe that was a sort of similar thing. So I want to talk just a little bit about the challenges that you found in mm. becoming sober, because I think it's important to look at that first before we dive into the ocean of positive things. Mm. So what were the things that you found most challenging in the beginning? I think for sure, um, just social occasions. That took me a little while to navigate that. Not being invited to things, you know, like completely being, I felt ostracized. But it probably wasn't that. It was just that, you know, people don't really want you there if they're going to get shit-faced and you're there, you know, hello. I don't know. Um, You're there remembering everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're suddenly a witness to their, their carry on and it's it's that was hard. Boredom, you know, at times I I was bored, but then I was pretty onto it fairly early and I thought I just knew I didn't you know, I didn't want to there was no way like it wasn't negotiable for me, like there was it wasn't gonna happen. So um I made myself not bored. So I made myself really busy doing things. Um but they were the challenges, the boredom the social stigma with it, you know, just what will people think of me? I was quite nervous around certain people at first to tell them or and, and friends that were like, oh, come on, you've given it three months, that's enough, you know, and worried about not being good times me anymore. But um, you get, you know, you get through that. It's, it's, you know, it's part of the challenge. In terms of being that good times, Danny, did you find her pretty quickly with sobriety that you were still able to be totally the life of the party without being uh, boozy? I think that with alcohol, there comes a lot of bravado, a lot of carry on that and stuff that I probably didn't feel great about the next day anyway. I feel a lot calmer now. So I'm not probably going into a party being the loudest person there or kind of taking over, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I, I still think I'm good time. I probably... Yeah, in in terms of that, it's it's different for sure. But I, I probably go into a situation a lot calmer, more comfortable with myself. I'm not needing to carry on. I think that, that all that carry on is part of your own self confidence and your self esteem that you, things you're trying to cover up for. So you were really replacing that bravado that came with the booze with uh, a confidence that came with things that gave you a sense of life purpose. No, I think the bravado and all that came with like me, like me. But I was probably really annoying anyway. But full on, and it's come up with me a bit lately of just um, how much like I, I desperately wanted to be liked or accepted by people. So part of that bravado and the, the being entertaining and making people laugh or whatever, it was, that was part of that. So in, in, in recognizing that and just learning to love myself as I am without mm. having to carry on, yeah. that was one of the great gifts of sobriety as well, that I didn't need to do that. Like, you know, I, I didn't need that. And if uh, the people now that I'm more associate with, I, I don't need to be that person. I just can be me and that's fine. 
What I've seen as a witness to your sobriety over the last few years is this incredible acceleration within the other areas of your life. Mm. That obviously comes down a lot to time. There's a Mm. lot more time. There's Mm. a lot more focus. Where else do you think that's coming from? What else has the sobriety provided for you that's enabled you to really accelerate every aspect of your life? Oh, my God. Every area. Like every – like, well, for a start, I get up – like five or sometimes three <laughs> every morning and I'll get up and meditate or stretch or yoga and then I'm on the beach again you know I'll med- be meditating down so meditation was a big thing that came in for me and that's part of the calming down too slowing down and and shushing <laughs> shushing the mind so that was big um the self-confidence is huge what it's done for my even my business everything every aspect of my life has improved like there isn't a my marriage as a mum, as a friend, I think I'm a better friend now. I'm more present for people. You know, I listen now. I'm not just <laughs> on every level. Everything has expanded, mm. and I just feel like a totally different. Pe- I'm not even the same person. I'm a t- completely different person. Well, I can see from you've done that beautiful thing where something in your life that was causing you heartache and suffering has now become part of your life purpose with this podcast. Mm. And it's rippling out and within, you know, we're in a small community and the effects of this podcast alone are rippling out into this community and can be felt everywhere. Mm. How is that feeling for you in terms of what's coming back from this, from this work that you're doing? Oh, that's amazing too in itself. Like, just every day, just getting messages from people from all over the place now too. I have one from Canada the, the other day and someone from America, someone who lives around the corner from my brother. And I was secretly chuffed about that because I thought, well, he might be proud of me now. <laughs> well, he probably was already. And what do you think is the main sentiment from these messages that are coming back? Is it other people who are already sober or people who feel like from listening to the podcast – it gives them permission for change. Yeah. But what is it? What's the central sentiment? The the biggest sentiment I'm getting is that people said that they've been toying with it for a while and now feel like just because the conversation's opening up that they're going to have a go as well and that it is okay, that it's acceptable, you don't have to do it, that there's, you know, there's other ways of living your life than what we've been programmed to do. So that's so exciting and mm. every message I get, I just, I can't even, I'm just so, just even to get one message where you're helping one person, I'm like, oh my God, like, can't even believe this. It's a, it's such a glorious thing that you're, that you're doing, you know, and it's for me who's, I, I, did, I wouldn't have had the courage to stand up, you know, eight years ago and be doing what you're doing right now and and I don't feel that the world was really ready either not in our little world was yes, also ready I was absolutely proud to be sober mm. I didn't have that but not to extend out so much and to have such my impact went out in a different way mm. like in the programs and whatnot that I run but it's just so beautiful to sort of see like how many people and feel how many people are ready because every one person that's ready mm. inspires however many more people mm. And lets them know that it's actually in Australia, it is okay to be sober. Yeah, or anywhere in the world. Or <laughs> anywhere in the world. To get out, and this is the reason too I wanted to do the podcast, and particularly with Ash because he's got um, profile as well, to get out and to say that it's okay and that we're doing this as well. Oh, my God, we had this um, – oh, I should read it out. It's on the How I Quit Alcohol Instagram link tree. This gorgeous girl wrote this article for Hello Sunday Morning. Do you know them? 
they've got this amazing blog where people can submit articles mm-hmm. and how she's been a fan of Ashes for a long time, I think, and she was also a musician and that she'd gone through mental health stuff and, and dealing with her alcohol issues. I don't know how extensive they were, but um, when she found out that Ash and I were, well, particularly Ash, and then she heard the podcast, she's she's given her the courage to go ahead and, and forge on with her sobriety and that she's wanting to do it and that she'd always had this sort of connection, I guess, with Ash because of the music and, and watching him play shows. It was really beautiful. I, I think that, I mean, the sentiment of that is the, that's the most important part because it mm. also highlights that in the music industry world, it's uncommon. I mean, unless you were, I mean, this, the straight edge world was, you know, it, it was, it was um, heralding this life many years ago, but it was very fringe. Oh, yeah. Now to try and normalise sobriety within the music industry. So it would have been a big thing for this woman to to be in that space and see another high-profile musician taking that step. Yeah, absolutely. I remember years ago when we'd tour um, and hang around with Jeff Lang and Jeff's um, – if, if people don't know who Jeff is, he's an incredible musician. He is a freak and he's never drank. And he used to hang out with us. We'd all be getting wasted and he'd be hanging out backstage drinking Coke and eating – slabs of chocolate <laughs> but we all oh my god the poor bastard and you know what it was like we'd be hassling him come on jeff yeah, come on just one yeah. and we couldn't get our heads around it like how does he do it how does he get out and even play and whatever but uh, that's what i was getting at before is that um to get out and have a voice about it it's letting other people know it's okay and just like even with you like you were such an inspiration for us i know you were years before um, had, had been sober a long time before we did but I always saw you as this as an example because I knew who, who you were as well before you know to see that switch and I could see you all the time how much you know you were doing your yoga, beautiful yoga practice and yoga teacher and I'd go to your yoga classes hung over half <laughs> the time but you were such a great inspiration and I think everyone like you and me and everyone else that's in their community that are doing it, people think, you know what, I can do it too. And the more of us that do it and get together and, and just say, yeah, this is cool, you know, this is fine, it encourages other people. Even You don't have to do it forever, but even if you start going, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go for a month, mm. go sober for a month and just take that mini step and then go again the next month if you can or whatever. But try and make it more of a habit than not. And stay connected, I think, to also where you were before so you can mm. maintain that compassion, so you can mm. maintain a connection to the people who are still trying to make their way out. There's, a, there's always a bridge there. that you, mm. you, We don't move into this place of purity that disconnects us from the reality of our own pasts. Oh, God, no. So you have to embrace that. So I've got one final question okay. for you. Mm-hmm. So going back to 13-year-old you <laughs> at the Oval, Malibu Rum, oh. if you could get to her... Earlier in the day, before mm. that evening unfurled, mm. what would you say to her? I would say to her, Danny, come on. <laughs> I'd say there's so many other ways that you can fit in. And it's inevitable. It's inevitable part of the, the path and the journey that you are going to end up drinking and, and whatever. But you don't need that. You just, you, there's so, you're so beautiful as you are and you're a beautiful creation and you don't need to be throwing this shit down your throat to win over people or to prove anything. 
Just stay pure and just stay pure for as long as you can. <laughs> Danny Carr, thank you so much for joining me on your podcast. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful to really hear your story and there's so many more things that I I, I want to ask you here and I will definitely ask you off the microphone as our friendship continues. And <laughs> just a huge congratulations for being where you are at across all aspects of your life. Thank you. And thank you for being such an amazing inspiration. <laughs> Is this where I flash my boobs at you? <laughs> if you want. <laughs> oh. Love you. Love you too. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.